global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by CBOE VIX Options and Futures. Volatility can be harnessed with CBOE VIX Options and Futures. See disclosures or learn more at cboe.com slash powerful outcomes VIX. Global equity is extending declines as a sliding oil price weighs on industry groups from banks to commodity producers and drags down emerging markets. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P E-mini futures down 18 points. Dow E-mini futures down 159. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 55. The DAX in Germany is down 2.5%. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. The yield 1.69%. Yield on the two-year 0.72%. NYMEX crude oil down 3.5% or $1.12 to $30.75 a barrel. COMEX gold up 1.2% or $14.10 to $12.36.70 an ounce. The euro, $1.0966, the N111.80. Lowe's posting fourth quarter sales that beat analyst estimates following larger rival Home Depot and taking advantage of a years-long real estate rally that's spurring consumers to spend on their homes. Chesapeake Energy saying it intends to pay a half-billion-dollar debt that's coming due in three weeks after exceeding its first quarter target for asset sales. Its shares are down 4% this morning. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow. Well, the news of the morning, Jack Lew, the Treasury Secretary, telling our David Weston, there is not a crisis out there that the G20 needs to respond to. We were talking with Diana Choleva just a moment ago from Lombard Street. Uh, she agrees there's not an economic crisis. The U.S. doing better than most people think. Europe doing better than most people think. Is there a political crisis, a geopolitical crisis out there? Anders Kaur is the founder of Core Analytics, and he joins us now to follow up again on the uh, Secretary's remarks. Anders, a lot going on. We've got uh, face-off between uh, Iran, Saudi Arabia, the U.S., Europe, Russia, in Syria, uh, and you've got issues in Ukraine popping up again. Uh, a lot of questions about whether or not there is a geopolitical threat to the global economy. Uh, what do you think? Well, there's certainly um, some concern there. Uh, the extent to which it hits the economy is another is another issue. But the, um, I mean, right now the U.S. and Russia are under negotiations about uh, Syria and um, exactly what the ground reality is going to be there. Remarkably, the negotiations are getting down to the point of how much territory is Nusra going to. Uh, hold how much territory is ISIS going to hold, and the question really is, um, what you know, will these entities, these uh, terrorist entities, actually listen to whatever the U.S. and Russia say? My, I would say doubtful. Anders, I am really enlightened to know how you link oil dynamics and the global oil OPEC non OPEC U.S. industry into your international relations. How's it fit in right now? Uh, well, the U.S. and Saudi Arabia are very close uh, allies on this, and um, some of the speculation that I've heard is that uh, somehow Saudi Arabia's decision to uh, keep pumping oil and, and even increase uh, pumping oil over the last year or so is in part to punish Russia. Now, uh, total speculation, I haven't really seen evidence on that, but I think it's an interesting uh, an interesting theory. Well, where, do, where does that end up? Um, 
at, at this point, we've got more oil. I understand they're starting to turn away oil at Cushing, uh, some grades of oil. That they just don't have any storage left. So how does this play out? Saudi Arabia has said that they're willing to go down to $20 a barrel uh, in order to let the market work. Um, their point is that uh, – you know they can produce at very very low levels. The U.S. shale producers mm-hmm. cannot produce cannot produce at those low levels, and so they rightfully have market share uh, at their old at their old market share levels. Um, so they're, they're looking to squeeze out um, the U.S. shale producers. Iran wants to gain market share. So there's a market share battle going on right now, and that's why we see oil right. keep dropping. Uh, Anders, within international relations, the migrant issue and the refugee issue is front and center across all of Europe. Can you fold that into the present market dynamics? I mean, I, I, I don't buy the idea it's all Brexit, all Brexit. That's just or all Super Tuesday for that matter. But how does the the, the crushing scale? of the migrant-refugee debate fold into, if it does, Euro-economics? Well, the, I mean, the refugees, um, some people argue that the refugees uh, can produce, can yield more labor um, in Europe. Um, but Europe is already awash in, in labor. I mean, there's a lot, there's, you know, there's a lot of, southern uh, European countries that have very high unemployment rates. And so when you have all these refugees flooding in um, from war-torn countries, um, it's really a destabilizing factor. It's leading to a lot of uh, disagreement among the EU countries. Um, People are questioning Schengen, which is the uh, freedom of movement between uh, you know, of, of people between the the countries of the EU. Uh, It's playing into the the Brexit or British exit uh, movement in Britain—it's uh, very—it's very disaggregating, very destabilizing, and I think Putin, who you know is in part responsible for the refugee exodus out of Syria because he supports—I mean, his own planes are bombing uh, villages there, and he's supporting Assad's planes bombing yeah. villages, and that's what's creating this exodus. So, in part, you know this. He, it's playing into his desire to destabilize Europe and maybe punish Europe for what it's doing. Mike, but, well, I, I don't mean, Mike, we got a little bit of strength in the tape. It's been a really ugly two hours, and, and there's a little bit of a bid to the tape. But you do, th- you, you wonder, Mike, how the international relations overlay goes on a Europe trying to find marginal growth. I would think migrants and refugees could almost be growth stimulating, well, but we're not there yet. As Anders says, <clears throat> there's some. There's a, fa- a little bit of a fallacy in that. Actually, the, the concern some people have, Anders, is that by the summertime, when the migrant crisis crush is expected to be in full swing because the, the weather's good enough for them to really try to get across the Mediterranean, that we're going to see you know, maybe even Greece back in a Grexit mode. I think it's possible. I mean, Greece has uh, Greece has threatened to... Uh, scupper the deal, uh, any kind of British deal, um, in terms of keeping uh, Brit- Britain happy in the in the EU, um, and you know the, the Syriza, which is the British, the very left wing British um, party that's now in power, has been friendly with Putin in the past. We remember 
uh, you know, a while ago when the, the, the Prime Minister of Tsipras was visiting Putin and threatening to take money from Putin instead of uh, deal with the, the Troika, the IMF and the, the others. So it's, it's you know, Syriza is not a friendly uh, party for the EU. What about the U.S. presidential election? We have... I don't even want to characterize. Does Anders, Anders has like five degrees from fancy schools, and we're going to sink into the morass of the U.S. No, we're not going to sink into it. We're going to try to stay away from the morass. But uh, you have uh, candidates running around talking about how terrible things are in this country with no plan to do anything about it except to make people angry. How much of a threat is that to global order? Well, I mean, I think that internationally, uh, people really despise Trump. And so he's, uh, on the uh, front and center, on the TV all the time. And, uh, it's, we're really not showing our best side, uh, to, to world public opinion when we, sh- when, when he says things that are anti-immigrant or, um, you know, close to racist. So it's, uh, it's, um, you know, it's not, it's not our best side, but it is democracy. And that's, that's uh, that's a plus at least. But does it does it have knock on effects to policy to the, the world order that uh, we're going to have to deal with? What 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 sort of knock on effects are you thinking about? Well, I'm ju- I'm just wondering if uh, you know if it limits our ability to gain international cooperation on some of these key issues we're talking about. I think so. I mean, it's definitely a, it's a, it's it kind of. Um, you know, people look at us and wonder. I think, I think there's a big question, you know, how, how will the next president respond to Russia? How will the next president respond to China? Um, everyone's looking at how these presidents, are they tough on Russia, likely to be tough on Russia or not? Bernie Sanders is very, very soft on Russia and China. Um, you know, I think uh, Hillary Clinton will be similar on Russia and China to what Obama did. Maybe she'll have a bit of more of a chip on her shoulder and she'll have to prove herself mm. a bit more. Uh, so she might be marginally tougher. Mm. Um, you know, Trump will be tough on China and soft on Russia. Well, he said he, he loves, he likes Putin. Anders Kaur, thank you so much. Anders Core with Core Analytics. Mike, that was interesting. I mean, an international relations take on our domestic politics and particularly what we're seeing in the markets um, this morning. Let me go granular with you right now. And a surveillance correction. Thank you, Bob Sinch. Um, the intraday low, not a record low. The record low was like a year ago or low. We almost went down to zero on the German 10-year. But we hit a recent low on the German 10-year early this morning just for half a cup of coffee. Right now, a little bit of a rebound, 0.147% on the German 10-year. You can take that across really everything out there a little bit. You have a sigh of relief. Futures negative 18 up to negative 16. Another hour of Bloomberg surveillance.